Welcome to The Range Brief with Blackwing. We are your hosts, Mark Gore and Jared Rainey. Hey Mark, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about rifle suppressors. So specifically suppressors for rifle caliber firearms. And the reason being is they are more complicated than handgun or rimfire suppressors. Yeah, just a lot more to you selecting the right rifle suppressor. Uh, yeah, a lot less straightforward than the other categories. And we brought on our NFA tax stamp collector resident expert, by far the person with the most suppressors owned, Jed McLean, our inventory manager. Yeah. Thank Jed. you, gentlemen, for having me. Honored to be here. So, Jed, a question that we're going to ask you, and we promise that your wife will not know the answer to this question unless she listens to the podcast. How many suppressors do you, how many NFA items do you think that you own, Jed? Uh, NFA items should be right about 30 that right now crazy. that I've got. So. That's just crazy. Nice little book of stamps going. That's yeah. insane. That's crazy. I'm going for, you know, one for every year that I'm alive. So I'm, I'm about five behind right now. Well, we can help you out with that, I guess. That's, yeah, that's a lot of suppressors. I would say that's probably more than the rest of the staff at Blackwing combined. It's a pretty, yep. pretty hefty collection. But, you know, we'd be happy, you know, if, if you listeners want to join Jed in his journey, we'd be happy to help get you. To, to 30 or however old you are. The ATF would also appreciate that. Yeah. Jed has funded them with, that would be uh, $6,000. <laughs> yeah. He's paid in tax yeah, stamps. 6,000 in tax stamps. Oh. So we, basically what we're trying to say is we brought the right guy to the table for this conversation. Jared and I love suppressors and talk about it quite a bit, but uh, I think we're going to have to do our best to shut up and let Jed talk because he's the one who uses them way more than we do. It's true. I mean, he's got more, I mean, since, Jerry just, uh, I'm like yeah, shocked over here. So many. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll help us get into it here. So looking at a rifle suppressor for your own use, what you're going to do to try to figure out which suppressor is right for you is figure out what criteria are important for what you're trying to do, what you're trying to achieve. And so there's trade-offs like there is with anything and you have to determine what is the most important to you. So Jed, you know, get us going here. What's what criteria are people typically looking at talking about? The sound reduction, yeah. sound signature, that is usually the very first thing that somebody's bringing up, you know, silencers, suppressors, cans, what have you, whatever you'd like to call them. That's usually the very first thing I want the quietest. I want to really reduce yep. how much output my gun is giving every time I fire around. Yeah, that's the whole the whole point of it, right? What so there's kind of two parts there, right? Sound and signature. What's what's the difference and what does yeah, what trade-offs come with that? What does that look like? Sound is gonna is gonna be the report that you're gonna get from the rifle. Yeah. Uh, from the round going off and and with most rifles, it's gonna be the sonic crack of the round going supersonic as it goes. Signature is gonna have more to do with the gas output that's leaving the gun and the flash signature that's coming from shooting it. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, sound why a lot of people get into it. Signature, probably something that people think about less, but it's still important in some situations. Yeah. From the military side, myself up, but uh, that's, they usually value signature reduction more than sound reduction. Yeah. And I think we talked about in the last podcast, sound reduction is like on the bottom of the military's criteria. There are four, three or four or five things above sound suppression, which is just sounds bonkers, but it makes sense once you 
once we talk through this a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, nothing's free in this argument. So most people care about sound more than others or more than these others. But I mean, there's weight, there's size, there's back pressure, there's mounting solution. And I think today we just start digging into these and, and really weighing the pros and cons yeah. for the, the potential rifle suppressor owner. Absolutely. All right. Sound rifle. A normal rifle shot is between 180 and 185 decibels. So that's ear shattering loud without hearing protection. And then I think a suppressor, uh, your average suppressor brings it into what, Jed? 130, 140 range for your center fire rifle cartridges. Uh, rim fire, 22, 17 Mach 2, the, you know, the smaller little guys. Those will get down into more of the 120 range. So to keep that in perspective, because decibels are hard to hard to interpret without looking at a chart, uh, uh, an ambulance siren is like 120 decibels. So just above that. And it's, yeah, it's weird because 120 and 130 or 140 sound close, but decibels are similar to last conversation, logarithmic. And that's hard for, I think, us lay people to understand, but basically just means that it, you know, going from 20 to 30 is a lot more than the 8% increase. It's more like, I don't know, I don't know the number, but maybe 50% an increase in sound or 20%. It's just more than it, it appears um, on face. Yeah, it's loud. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's kind of a misnomer in rifle suppressors. People assume that a suppressor is going to make the gun really quiet, like super quiet. Yeah. That's not really a thing, especially with center fire rifle ammunition. It's not subsonic. I mean, no matter what, you're still breaking the sound barrier. You got a crack. You still got a crack. Gun's still going to be right on the edge of hearing safe. Yeah, so yeah, I'd say like if you're shooting 300 blackout subsonic, that's well within range of probably not needing ear pro. But if you're shooting 5.56 through a suppressor, even a good suppressor, it's still fairly loud, but it's just way more tolerable, right? Just less gas, less pressure, less noise, less crack. Just kind of helps tame it down. Yeah, the crack the crack is still there, but as far as the overall noise, you've definitely reduced it. But like as you said, Mark, your you know, centerfire rifle, supersonic ammo, you are right at those thresholds for what's recommended yeah. for hearing pro. So it's always better to err on the side of caution. Oh, electronic ear pro is fantastic for shooting suppressed. You can really appreciate the reduction of the gun and still be able to hear the ambient sound around it. So the pros of having a really quiet suppressor are it's clearly quieter, but also you don't have the, like it doesn't disturb, like let's say you're shooting on indoor range. The difference between shooting a suppressed gun and an unsuppressed gun is huge. Uh, you're not getting like the concussion in your booth. Everybody around yeah. you, it's a lot more chill. So definitely understand why the first priority for most people would be sound. Yep. And I think Jed, that's where you are. You're like sound is the most important thing to me. Absolutely. I, that's, I mean, they're suppressors or silencers. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, right in the name, that's what we're going for out the gate is, is to drop that noise down and make it a little, little. Pew, pew, pew. Unlike our fabricated disagreements in previous podcasts, this is the one that me and Jed do not see eye to eye. On. <laughs> yes. uh, so the next thing, would be like, what is the negative to having a really quiet suppressor generally? Usually you're going to have more weight and a larger radius of can. Um, suppressors work almost identically to what our car mufflers do. You know, a two inch straight pipe coming off a block is going to be louder than a flow system that's, that's added to the vehicle. And it's the same, same perspective with our firearms. 
you know, you add a three or four pound can to the end of a 26 inch rifle. Yes, it's really quiet, but now the trade off is we can be a little unwieldy. Yeah. It turns it into a real musket at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah, volume game you need for better suppression. You need a longer and wider suppressor, which means heavy. Yeah. Unless you go titanium and then you make sacrifices in other, in other areas. In other areas. Yeah. yeah. There's no free lunch with these things. Okay. So I got a really quiet, really long, really heavy can. The next thing would be weight materials. How can we mitigate some of those or I don't know what makes the difference in, in weight. The different materials is, is where you're going to make up or gain in weight material and size. Uh, a lot of the manufacturers now are building suppressors with a hybrid of these metals. It's not all just stainless. It's not all just titanium. It might have a, tain, a titanium outer shroud around a stellite stack of baffles. So you get a really strong, large volume, integrally uh, sound can but then you're going to turn around and they'll they'll sleeve it in titanium to save that weight. That way they're not adding too much more to them. So if titanium is the lightest, what are the what's the drawback? Titanium's biggest weaknesses is going to be heat and vibration, which are two things that you cannot avoid shooting a suppressed firearm. You're going to get an increase in heat and vibration's bound to happen as the gas expands through the can. So in cost too. I mean their titanium's cans are more expensive. Absolutely. My understanding is like titanium is really good at heat, but it heats at a different uh, a different rate than the surrounding metal, and you can split welds and it can you know break your muzzle device. Like there's some stuff that goes along with shooting titanium, and the reason being, you see titanium cans are generally low heat or low rate of fire cans. Absolutely. All right, so I want a brick shit house super tough can that I can shoot on a machine gun. Then what do I buy? Delight and Inconel are going to be your most common uh, materials for the really heavy use. Now the trade-off is with those materials is they are heavy. Uh, there's no way to get around the weight. So you're going to pick up something that's really, really strong, but you're also going to add something that's going to be pretty heavy to the end of that. So you can beat it and it'll take, it'll take a lot of abuse and serve you really well, but uh, it is not going to be the Ferrari of uh, suppressors as yeah. far as movability with the rifle. Yeah, you're hanging that weight off the front of your gun. So, yeah, that's the trade-off. You have a really tough can, but it's heavy, and typically it's heavy in the worst place. Yeah, right yep. at the end of the muzzle, three feet from you. All right, size. We kind of talked about this, but you can have you know, a really sturdy or a really light can. What are you compromising with that size generally? Size, it'll play suppressor. It's kind of like picking up weights. You know, if 45 pounds is 45 pounds, but if it's a small, compact 45 pounds, it's not necessarily as easy to move as something that's a half inch thick and 18 inches in diameter. So it trade offs to them. Yeah, it's kind of, it's also interesting as we talk about, you know, the, the size, the volume is what helps gain suppression. And it's kind of interesting. So they, they have, you know, full-size suppressors, and then they have short suppressors. A lot of times they call them K suppressors. Less volume, they're shorter. Often, you know, I don't know, two-thirds the length of a full-size one. And uh, they're louder. But it's, I don't know, I, I think a lot of people don't quite understand it. 
uh, you would think that, hey, if I, if I have a short-barreled rifle, if I have a short gun, I want to put a short suppressor on it to keep it nice and short. But really, in reality, like, like a lot of other, a lot of people do the opposite, right? If it's a long, if they have a 20-inch barrel gun, they put a short K-can on it because they don't want to add more length and more weight at the end of the gun. But if you've got a shorter gun, that can allow you to use a full, a longer suppressor and, and you know, still be maneuverable. Is that a fair point? Yeah, I think it's a great point. You look at companies like Daniel Defense and their ISR, that's a gun designed that you only have to buy one tax stamp. So it's a 11 and a half inch gun, something like that. Yeah. And then they pin and weld a pretty substantial suppressor on there and it brings it to the overall length of 16, which is really the sweet spot with the rifle. Like 16 inch rifle is pretty handy, um, pretty easy to swing around. And then you don't have the added length on top of that of a, of a suppressor. So yeah, I think, I think that's a great, great point. Absolutely. Yeah, you take a 16 inch gun and then you throw a muzzle device, and then you throw a six-inch suppressor on it. Now you're at a 24-inch barrel. Yeah, she's long. And that's, that's not right. 22 inches. Never mind. Bad <laughs> math. All right. So next criteria, after what we've been talking about, would be back pressure. I think is is an important one related to what we're talking about, and that's something that you pick up with size, volume, with making your your gun quieter. Is you have more back pressure, Jed. You are an experienced back pressure man. Tell me about back pressure. What back is pressure it? Man. Why don't you like back pressure or why do you like back pressure? I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the excess back pressure. A lot of what I shoot suppressed is the AR-15 style rifles, our modern sporting rifles, as we like to call them. When you, the gas system in that that feeds those is a direct impingement system. The more gas you feed into that, the more wear, tear, and blowback yep. that you get into the gun because that direct impingement has to feed itself and all that gas comes in. If you in, you know, you're bound to increase it a little bit and there's ways to mitigate that. But what you're trying to avoid is throwing too much of that gas into the action that way to where to the point that it's bleeding back into your face. It's just uncomfortable, right? It's very, it's very uncomfortable. I mean, it is hot, hot gas in the face is not one of my, uh, one of my favorite things. I don't know anybody that appreciates it. <laughs> it's something you have to, to mitigate and, and uh, yeah. adjust your system to. Um, there's some fantastic ways to do it. Um, adjustable gas blocks is by far, in my opinion, the best way to go with it, to really tune it down and get it to where you have an optimal amount of gas going into the system for everything to operate at the best that it can without having to worry about damage, long-term damage to the guns. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you can... Like you said, you can tune your gun around it, but I mean, that's also, if you just throw a big volume suppressor on your gun that puts a lot of back pressure in the system, shoves a lot more gas back into the gun, you can have reliability issues. It might not just, it's not just the gas in your face, but your gun might not run well. You've got to, you got to tune the gun to make it run and cycle with the suppressor and the ammo you're shooting. It just gets to be more to deal with. Absolutely. Yeah, this is actually... For me, this is the most important criteria before you buy a suppressor because you go from having a really cool experience. Like if you have a bolt gun, man, put the biggest for the Ginormous. biggest cylinder yeah. on there you can and just make that thing super quiet. But on AR, your shooting experience will be quiet, but also suck because you're just going to get sandblasted every time you pull the trigger. You'll be crying trying to shoot a three three round string. You'll uh, be trying to figure out why your gun works sometimes, but not always. Yeah, like the bolt will have so much velocity that it'll actually, it can cycle the gun. And before the magazine can lift a cartridge into the, you know, where the, the, the bolt one, yeah. can pick it up, 
the, the bolt's already back home because it has that much velocity. So you do got to watch it when you start putting super high back pressure stuff on semi-automatics. Yeah, it's just not the sexy criteria, but it is important. And I feel like after you buy your first rifle suppressor, that sinks in more than when we talk to you about it, you know, at the counter. For sure. Okay, so mounting. This one's tough. So many options. Jed, talk to me about direct thread, because I feel like that's the one that people are, is the lowest cost and probably the most accessible. Your direct thread mounts are going to enable you to put the suppressor right on to a gun. Barrel will be threaded for usually they're, they're caliber specific or in the range. 5.56, for example, is usually a half by 28 thread pattern. Uh, you're, you know, once, once you step up just a little above that, you start getting into the 5.8 by 24, which is pretty universal for your 6 millimeters, 6.5s, and 30 calibers and above. So with that direct thread mount, you would uh, ideally take a thread protector off the barrel. Suppressor will thread directly on, and you're ready to start shooting with it. So less expensive, more straightforward, lighter. Uh, as far as the mount system, absolutely. There are trade-offs with that, though. Uh, what used to be, that's getting a little bit better, it used to be a, a suppressor would be made for one specific thread pattern only. So if you bought, if you bought a 5.56 can that was direct thread only, it would only be a half by 28. If you bought a direct thread 30 caliber can, it would only be 5.8 by 24. These manufacturers have seen the error of that ways, and a lot of the direct thread mounting systems will now have interchangeable adapters in the back. To where if you're going to run it on a 5.56, you can take out, you know, the 5.8 by 24 direct thread mount, put in a half by 28 direct thread mount. Your can won't be as long in most cases with the direct thread versus what they would be with a quick detach system. Yeah. Because there's not a muzzle breaker flash hider that they have to come into. Yeah. It's almost hard to find a 223 can that is pure, like a direct thread 223 can only. I, I can't think of one. Yeah, they just gone away from that completely, which is good. And the yeah, the the quick mount system, which is what we'll talk about next year, I mean, that's I would say ninety-five percent of what we sell, people do a quick mount. It's a bit more money, it's a bit more weight, it's a bit more length, like we talked about, you know, on the other side. But what yeah, what is you know, walk through what that looks like, how that works in generalities and why most people choose that method. With the quick detach method. You're able to mount uh, flash hiders or muzzle brakes onto the firearms uh, across the platform. So, you know, if you, if you have a few AR-15s and a couple bolt guns, instead of having two separate mounts or maybe even three direct thread mounts, you can mount onto those firearms a muzzle brake or flash hider. It'll stay permanently attached to it. And then when you want to run your suppressor, it's as simple as just quick attaching it, whether that's... It slides over that muzzle device. Yeah, they'll they'll usually have a thread something. pattern. There's taper mounts, you know, your standard birdcage flash hiders like what we're used to seeing on AR-15s or uh, muzzle brakes, whether it's two, three, or, or four-piece brakes. And generally, those are more secure. Like direct thread can come loose. Like halfway, like if you shoot 10 rounds, it might start coming loose at 10 rounds. And then you got to worry about it coming loose enough to get a baffle strike and into destroying your investment. I can't think of a, a really bad mounting system. They're all pretty good. Yeah. At actually locking the muzzle of, or locking the suppressor on the gun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It seems like direct thread is 
really the 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 times that we see that is if someone's buying one suppressor for one gun and it's typically like a low round low rate of fire gun like a hunting bolt action gun and they want a lightweight direct thread can but outside of that yeah it's there's a lot of benefits to to the quick mount systems for sure yeah i guess the other one would be if you wanted to do that that one tack stamp gun it yeah. needs to be a direct thread so that they can pin and weld it and do all that stuff yeah it's really the only other time absolutely i think cost was the only other thing that we haven't hit we talked about it a little bit with materials titanium being expensive but you know another cost consideration would be some suppressors are multi-caliber so a lot of rifle suppressors are 30 caliber but then there's some 36 and 46 calibers suppressors that will allow you to shoot other handgun rounds or larger board rifle rounds through them and yeah i guess your cost benefit there you're you're gaining in versatility so you can shoot more rounds and only have to buy one suppressor uh, one tax stamp one item but your downside is you got to buy different adapter pieces and it's just not going to be as good right because your your diameter of the hole down the middle is bigger so it'll you'll just you're giving up some things to pick up in the the cost savings department yeah the jack of all trades master of none yep a uh, lot of versatility but you're also you know to gain that versatility you're going to give up some other features that you, you might want to lean on a little more great yeah. starter can though because suppressors are a gateway drug once you have one you're gonna be like damn it i want everything to have a suppressor <laughs> yep so yeah don't let that be a hindrance like i would say if that's what you're interested in get one yeah and then realize like oh dude i should cater this now i gotta cater yeah that's how you sell it exactly that's how you get to 30 so now i think we move to the fun part of the conversation the argument the arguments so we all have different thoughts about suppressors i would maybe argue that jed's thoughts are the most important here boo but uh <laughs> i have thoughts as well and so does jared about what is important to us when we're buying looking at a suppressor i'm gonna start because you start we're gonna yeah let's let's end with jed the the pro and so I'll, I'll start with talking about what I like and look for in a suppressor. And similar to what Jed said, I am still as thunder. I like it to be quiet. And if I'm looking at a suppressor, I am buying it for it to be quiet for a 300 blackout shooting subsonic ammo. That's what I'm looking for a suppressor for to make something super quiet. And then while I have that 30 caliber suppressor, I'm just going to put it on all the other things I have, like I'll be, I want to be able to put it on my 308 and put it on my 556 guns, but I care less about that stuff. I care much more about how quiet it makes a 300 blackout gun. Just knowing that you can get that to be so fun. Man, what a specialized use case he decided to pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's do the optimized subsonic yeah. round. You can get 300 blackout to be so quiet. The the gun cycling is the loudest part of that whole yeah. deal. So way to go. It's so cool. It's so much fun. And I have, you know, a binary trigger on a subsonic 300 blackout. And it's just like, it's a blast. So that's what I care about. And, you know, looking at the numbers and there's some great people out there doing data. Pew Science is one who is way too hardcore into this stuff. It's insane. But what you realize is, a suppressor that looks like it should be the quietest for everything isn't going to be like, you know, one suppressor is going to be, it's going to be quiet, um, but it might have more backflow or another one might be, Hey, it's, it's lower backflow and it's quiet at the shooter, 
but it's one of the louder suppressors for the guy standing five foot to the right. So it's like these, these things are always moving and you, you could probably spend three months digging through this guy's data to try to figure out what calibers, what barrel lengths, what do you care about quiet at the shooter? Do you care about quiet for your buddy or quiet down range or back pressure? Yeah. Just like all these things come and go depending on the caliber, the barrel length, yeah, all of these things. So that's kind of my focus um, when I look at a suppressor, but I will admit that I've been a victim of back pressure and crying while shooting my gun because so much gas came in my face. It was just, it was brutal. So I think that I realize that there is a trade-off there, but what I look for in a suppressor is a large volume suppressor. And so those are things just typically like, they're like nine inch suppressors, like the Q full Nelson Nomad L. Those are awesome suppressors at the suppression game, the quiet game that I care about. You know, Jared, what I'm hearing from Mark is that he spends a lot of time shooting from a bench. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yep, that's what I was thinking about. That's fair. Shoot, I shoot in ranges, in indoor ranges. So, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's me. Tell me why I'm wrong. Oh. Or tell me why you're right. Maybe that's easier. Okay, for your use case, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if you're shooting 300 blackout, the reason that cartridge is so efficient and the reason you don't get a lot of blowback is because the bullet is so heavy and it it's designed to burn all that powder and you know six inches of barrel. Yeah. So you're not going to have a lot of gas blowback because it used all the gas to try to get the bullet out of the yeah. gun. So for like as as a suppressor host, 300 blackout is ideal. I think we'd all agree like it is perfect for what he wants to do. Uh, and because the barrel is so short and the suppressor is so long, you're probably still at like. I don't know, a 14 inch overall or 14 inch barrel length gun, even yeah. with that. So that's yep. a really maneuverable, really fun to shoot. Just yep. not, a, not a long range on that kind of gun, but it's yeah. a lot of fun to shoot. So let's say you put supersonics or supers in that same gun. It's still going to be pretty quiet. I mean, yeah. you'll still be breaking the sound barrier, but uh, yeah, great performance. For for your use case in 300 blackout, I'm right. All I right, have, I have that. no argument. I don't think Jed's going to agree, but you never know. No, no, I, I think Jared's absolutely right for for what you're after, the caliber that you're using. I mean, it was designed. It was designed to have that versatility to go between supersonic and subsonic and really pick up some of the faults that 556 has. Where you know, I know as as both of you have tried, and I have too in the past. 5.56 is terrible to try to run subsonic ammo for. It, it, it's not yeah. what it was ever designed to do. Whereas 300 Blackout kind of has the advantage. They they looked at 7.62 by 39 and said, how can we make it better? What can we change? And, uh, you know, subsonic uh, 300 Blackout is a lot like 40 Smith & Wesson. You, you got a 180 grain bullet that's, you know, right at a thousand, maybe a little under that feet per second wise and performs yeah, hundred percent. So for me, I'm on the the military, like very tactical. Uh, I want this. My suppressor is not so much about sound reduction. That's a huge part of it, the signature reduction of a suppressor. But I come at it from super like 308, 556. Those are never going to be super quiet. Doesn't matter how much suppressor you put on it. That that's still a loud gun to try to to tame. So for me, the most important thing is back pressure. I do not want to eat gas. I want to have the the most enjoyable experience. So I'm looking at cans like Surefire, uh, OSS, OSS, yeah, Hux, Hux works, works yeah. Hux works now, and it's really 
it doesn't necessarily have to be a flow through suppressor, but something that is designed to to have more flow. And you can achieve that by putting a 308 can on 556. Just give yourself a little bit more room for gases to escape out the front. will save you from eating a lot of it. Uh, that is the most important thing to me. And then I think if I had to pick a second second criteria, it would be consistency between suppressor on, suppressor off. Like I want it to be very repeatable. Uh, so my zero is either, if it's going to change, it's going to change the exact same amount every time I take the suppressor off. It's, it is funny that your two criteria, your two most important criteria are trying to minimize negatives of suppressors. Yep. Like mine, sure. mine is, I want it to be better. And yours is like, I want it to hurt my gun worse. It's just two different ways of approaching it. I think it's, I think hurt yours is a my gun worse. Good I want way. it to hurt me less. That's <laughs> all I care about. But yeah, so you, you want, you want the benefits of signature reduction, sound reduction. You need those things, but you want the side effects to be as minimal as possible. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly right. Whereas I'm like, screw the side effects. I want it to be quiet. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like my dream suppressor would have no blowback, be super light. I, yeah, I want the, I want the, exist. I want the minimal <laughs> suppressor. Yeah. You, you have the tactical outlook for it. And I, I can completely respect that. There's advantages that you're looking for on that side that somebody like Mark, you know, Mark's not so worried about it shooting without the suppressor on it. Yeah. Whereas on that tactical game, you know, the background that you have coming from the military side, you don't always have the can on it. So have that repeatability with that rifle and know that your point of impact shift is minimal, whether it's on or it's off. I mean, that's huge. That is a, that is a big piece taken in consideration for someone from that background versus Mark's going to shoot it from a bench and it's always going to be suppressed. And yep, absolutely. So let's hear Jed, the guru. I am a dedication to task kind of guy, which is, Part of the reason I have 30 of these things, <laughs> I see both sides of what you guys are talking about. And I have rifles that, that I want the absolute best suppression. I can absolutely get with it. I want to tone that signature down as much as possible. And it's only ever going to be shot with a suppressor on it. I have some on the, on the flip side of that, that I, I want that back pressure tuned down. So I kind of jumped into this pool and did a cannonball and went, all right, gun A, what am I going to do with it? I'm only ever going to shoot it suppressed. I'm going to use it for Ohio deer season. You know, yeah. this is the one specific round I'm ever going to use is Hornaday lever evolution. So what can is going to give me the best suppression and sound reduction for this gun? You know, what's going to give me, you know, how's it going to do for back pressure with this gun? Do I need to tune any of the gas system for it? And okay, cool. We got all those steps figured out. This is the one we're going to do. Um, I do have a couple cans that are multi-use. I will run them across anything and everything. They're 30 cal. They're heavy. Uh, if I want to do mag dumps that day with a binary trigger, the can can take it and handle it. At the same time, I can throw it on the 30-06 bolt gun and play with it a little bit. So I, I jumped into it, you know, and, and went gun a is getting can a yeah. you know b c and d are going to get can e and kind of went that route with it i have cans that that do phenomenal on my sbrs i have other ones that are long range dedicated 308 cans only there's one rifle that it goes on i have minimal point of impact shift with it and it's dedicated to that yeah that yeah, makes sense and i feel like 
you can naturally do that without having 30 suppressors. Like if you buy two rifle suppressors, you find out like which ones work on which guns better, which ones like handle well with it and work with the gas systems. I could see how you could. Yeah, you can. I think a lot of people naturally evolve to do that. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Lightning round. So I want to suppress a, uh, a two, two, three, but I don't want to spend a lot of money. What are some good options for me? Razor 556 from Ruggin. It's a great option. The Sierra 5 from Dead Air has taken off and has done phenomenal with us. We've had a lot of good, great feedback for that suppressor. I think that another great way to look at it is there's a lot of good like mid-range suppressors that would fill those needs from like Silencer Co., Rugged, Dead Air. And then there's also, you know, on the less expensive side, just a little bit heavier the mounting systems, less sexy YHM is a little bit less expensive. And then you've got, yeah, that higher end category that's got Surefire. Some of these companies have suppressors in the higher end there as well. Uh, OSS, CGS, some of those guys will be a little bit more money. Yeah. I think for the use case of like most, most bang for your buck, yeah, you could probably do YHM Silencer Co. has some options that are super competitive and do yeah. you get great suppression for not a lot of dollars. Okay, now I have a precision rifle and I want the 6.5 Creedmoor and I want the absolute most performance at the lightest weight. Who am I picking? I think you answered that question. That's your that's your realm. This is not my realm, actually. <laughs> like I think okay. Thunder Beast. Yeah, I think Th- Thunder Beast. Like, Thunder this is Beast. Your competitor. Uh, but I, I, I will say, in my opinion, they have been the industry standard for for that precision game suppressor at lightweight and point of impact reliability. Dead Air has made a lot of progress and is quickly catching them with that Nomad L. Yeah, and then the Surefire Omega has always been a staple in that game. But yeah, it's, it seems like they've been. Ooh. Uh, Silencer Co. Omega. Yeah, Silencer Co. Yeah, okay. Surefire Omega. I'm like, where did that happen? <laughs> Is that new? No, no, no. Sorry. There's so many names that get so close to each it's other. A lot exactly. of S's too. Yeah. There's Silencer Shop in the mix, and we're all confused. Yeah. Oh, Silencer Central. Like, my God. Yeah. So oh. many S's. Got a Silencer Shop Saker 599. <laughs> like, what? Okay. Any other um, brain boost busters? Boosters? Uh, okay. A hard use machine gun suppressor. I know Jed's answer. Surefire. Surefire MG, fantastic can, takes a beating in 5.56. The Sandman S is a great option. The Radiant 7.62, great option. No barrel restrictions. Uh, calibers up to, I think it's, it's either 300 rum or 300 win mag. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I get those mixed because everybody like falters right on that line. Some guys will do 300 rum, some it's 300 win mag, but... Yeah, I like I like I like those. I like the Sandman S a lot. Just their mounting system is we're trying not to dig too deep into mounting systems, but it's just real it's well loved and it's a heavy duty locking system. Yeah. Favorite mounting system, Jed. Go. I'm partial to the ASR system. I know it's gotten a lot of flack over the years. It's just old. Yeah. It's old, but I haven't I haven't had any trouble. I mean, I've got some cans that go all the way back into the uh Silencer weapon research days back before they actually joined with and became a whole entity with Silencer Co. I, like yeah. I have some SWR Mark suppressors Damn. from back in the day. Uh, so that, you know, that ASR system, uh, the gentleman that started them eventually went on to do rugged. Rugged system is very close to that. I've had a lot of success with them. 
But as Mark just said, that dead air mount system's great, and Surefire's is really good too. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You only get one favorite. <laughs> it's Mark. What's your favorite? Yeah, and just for the listeners, ASR is Sound Circus System. If you didn't pick that up, I feel like I'm in the same boat as Jed. I feel like Dead Air is what I would do if I was starting over again, but. I have so much silencer coast stuff and it's a good system and they have the most parts availability and most consistent parts availability for all the accessories that it's just, yeah, for me, that's a, that's what makes it a, the best case. Yeah. Chemo is really cool. That's dead airs. That's one of dead airs mounting systems. Uh, availability is a little tough. It's hard to find some of that stuff sometimes. I'm sure fire till the end. Yep. Um, <laughs> right by, far my, by far my favorite mounting system. <laughs> so robust. So easy. It's like it's like simple, stupid. Yeah, you just like being able to shoot your can downrange to get it off, don't you? <laughs> you know, there's some there's some pros to that. <laughs> so I guess while we're talking about mounting system stuff, it, a lot of suppressors nowadays are coming threaded in the back end of the suppressor, so you can you can basically put you could buy a, a Soundsco suppressor and you could put on other companies' mounts. Yeah, the universal mounting system. Uh, in the last the last year, a lot of companies. Rugged just released the Alaskan, their first, if I'm not mistaken, that uses that. So you can now use a great titanium rugged suppressor and use the ASR mounting system or the dead air Xeno mount. Like you can, it's plug and play. You can, you can make whatever you want. Yeah. And the real benefit there is just a lot of people are like Jed and myself, we're already locked in with Silencer Co. And so there might be a great rugged suppressor out there that we want to buy then we, if we had to put rugged mounts on some of our guns, then well, what, what mounts, which ones do we put the rugged mounts on? Which ones do we put silencer co on? It gets to be a pain when you got to mix all that up. Yeah. This is the time to be into suppressors because you're, there's so many options now. Yeah. I mean, in the next year, Q is announcing they're going to have the architect, which is going to be another universal mounting solution. So you can use a Q suppressor on your ASR stuff. And yeah, yeah. The sky's going to be the limit here soon. Uh, yeah. That's I'm excited. I don't know if you guys are excited, but you need to, to be able to add more cans <laughs> you save some and not out. have to add more mounts. Not like you buy any more NFA items. <laughs> oh man, you're cut off. No, no well, the technology keeps evolving, so you know you can just keep buying them. But it's you don't really want to get rid of the old ones. Yeah, so. Jeff's got a closet full of antiques. <laughs> we just gotta keep buying more guns too. We'll, we'll, we'll start guns. a little road show with them. Yeah, I th- I think that covers everything. Anything that that we didn't hit, guys, that you think is important for us to. I'm sure we missed some stuff. Probably a lot. But if you got a special use case, you got a short barreled rifle and you're concerned about one of these criteria, something's really important to you, stop by and ask any of our any of our staff. We can make recommendations and, and put you in something that you're going to be happy with. Absolutely. And if you're not in Ohio or not, you know, nearby, find a local shop that deals in NFA that knows what they're doing. Everyone in in the game, it feels like, is uh typically pretty passionate and happy to help you out. So a lot of people out there that will help you to find the right suppressor for you. But yeah, share, subscribe, rate. any other things, rate. Jed, send us out with some, uh, some, some sound knowledge here. For anybody that is listening out there to us that uh, is ready to possibly take that jump into the NFA world in the next couple months, be looking uh, on our website for our schedule. We'll have another Discovering Suppressors course coming along you get to spend a lovely afternoon and listen to me ramble on and educate you wild and wonderful world of suppressors get a little demonstration on what it sounds like too sir great 
Awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. Share any topics with us that you might want to hear. And please send this podcast to anyone that you know that might be interested in rifle suppressors. We'd love to get this message out to anyone that uh, needs some education. Mm-hmm.